Welcome to Simply Us. Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Sue. And we want to welcome you back to the Simply Us podcast. Today, we are on episode eight. And (laughs) this episode is entitled Taking Back What the Enemy Stole. And I'm so excited for this episode because we're going to talk about restorative or healing prayer today. And I personally have been using this tool for a long time, but regularly for the last month. And it's amazing. Um, (laughs) And we've been hearing from a lot of you all too. God has been speaking to you guys so clearly. He's given you beautiful images and comforting words. He has helped you identify lies. He has brought clarity and truth. And he has bestowed upon upon you beautiful names. And we just want to say it's been an honor to hear from you. It's been an honor to witness the amazing story that you and God are writing together. Yeah, it's been so cool. Thank you guys for sharing. We've loved hearing from you. And we absolutely know that you guys are ready to take back what the enemy stole through this tool of restorative prayer. And we want to start off this episode with some understanding of like why and how this works. Yes. So Erin, I didn't I didn't pre-warn you about this, but you know about how our brain works by association, right? Because you've studied and you've you've um studied the neuroscience of the brain probably even more than I have because of the fact that with kids, you know, the whole upper lower brain or Mm -hmm. whatever, how that works. I'm a huge fan of whole brain child, Dr. Karen Purvis. They talk Mm -hmm. a ton about the brain and it is so fascinating to me. Yeah, so it is. So it both of us really have loved this. And I love a doctor. Her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. And I just loved, I read everything that I could get on her and I've listened to her share on YouTube and stuff. And the part that intrigued me the most was how our brains work regarding circumstances that happened to us in the past and our emotions that are attached to them. So this is how I understand it to work. Now, remember you all, I am not Dr. Caroline Leaf. If you want to know like more, she's way smart in this, then you can just look her up yourself. But so when I learn something, I have to like visualize it for myself. And so when I was studying this um, lie-based thinking or this how our brains work by association, if I close my eyes and let myself go back in time, I can almost smell the scent of like the sugary milk, vanilla and cinnamon scent. Um, And now I'm talking about something that I eat. So it's not a candle, something (laughs) that I eat. So if you think about it, what smells all sugary, milky goodness, vanilla with vanilla in it and cinnamon? Well, that delicious smell to me reminds me of my favorite dessert as a little girl, my mom's homemade rice pudding. So I know, Erin, maybe you probably thinking this way, like, wait, rice pudding is the the dessert that you love the most. Mm-hmm. But for me, that one dessert, whenever I see it offered at restaurants, always takes me back to my childhood, to that moment when I was like scraping the bowl and licking it all up, every last bit of my pudding. So to this day, every time I see it on a menu, when I go to a restaurant, I just like, oh, I want to order it so bad because I just can't wait to take that first bite because I'm transported back to the very first time I had it sitting at the table in my mom's kitchen. I'm immediately engulfed in joy and in happiness. So this brain association triggers a positive emotion. On the other hand, 
lie-based thinking, you know, we've been talking a lot about those lies. So this lie-based thinking comes into play with brain association when we recall a memory, just like I did with a good memory, but we can recall a memory that causes us to experience negative emotions. And lie-based thinking, you all, is just believing something not true in the present based on this traumatic event. Now, I always say it could be big T traumatic or little T traumatic. It's just an event that happened in your past. And the pain or the trauma that happened then can still be affecting us today, causing us to believe those lies we believe about ourselves and about God. So one way to know if it's affecting us in the present is just paying attention to our negative emotions. Mm -hmm. God has given us these negative emotions and they're not just to be stuffed. They're actually to pay attention to so that we can see what is happening inside of us that a lot of times we don't even really understand. Mm -hmm. So to explain the negative emotion memory, um, you know, when I was in high school, I worked a lot. Like I would leave, have early dismissal, and then I would jump in the car and I would go to offices. Companies would hire me for the school year. And I enjoyed that so much, just by the way, because it made me feel like I was such a grown up having responsibility. But what would happen is sometimes the manager, the office manager in charge of me, she would just out of nowhere say, you know, come on in. I want to talk to you for a minute. And I would always experience this feeling of dread, um, which caused my stomach to tighten up with knots. And I would get all flushed and my palms would start to even sweat. And I would immediately think she was going to call me out on a mistake. I know now it was because my brain would associate that situation with the time when I was in kindergarten mm. and I was called up front to answer a question and I didn't know the answer, you know, and that feeling of dread started even back then. Wow. So almost every boss just wanted to catch up to see how he was doing, he even acknowledge my good work efforts. But instead, my brain would revert back to the first similar experience and tell me to feel dread and fear instead. Mm -hmm. This brain association triggered that negative emotion. So like me, you guys, if you've also experienced something that caused you pain, you, you most likely realized you also felt hopeless or powerless. Maybe you even believed and therefore felt unworthy or fearful, shameful, abandoned. You know, there's so many negative, negative emotions and lies. So you guys, these lies we believe in those painful moments, um, most times that becomes our truth and defines our reality. And as a result of that, it can cause us to become stressed out, confused, sad, depressed, you name it, all those negative feelings. And it's not what God wants for us. And so when I was studying all this, I, I wondered where it came from that we had a bent towards this lie-based thinking. You know, when did we actually start believing that we aren't good enough, that we're all in alone? Even before, what I'm talking about is before our own um, memory, our own moment in time. Like, did it actually start earlier than that? And it just I le I led me to Isaiah 26, 3, where Isaiah says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in him. I mean, I think about it, most of our lives are just stressed out. Uh, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. We run around like crazy. We're confused. So why do we live this way? And I think Isaiah has the key to it. You know, he's saying that we can be in perfect peace if our minds are steadfast when we trust in God. So I want that perfect peace. And I know you all want it too. And that's why we're just going to 
spend some time talking about restorative prayer to see how we can um, use this prayer to allow us to have perfect peace. Mm-hmm. So I had to go back to Eve, poor Eve. Everything begins with Eve, um, where that's where really the slide-based thinking began. So let me read to you guys Genesis 3, 1 through 13. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild, wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to her, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some of her some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. I discovered you guys after reading this and trying to have eyes to see what lies Eve might have been believing in this moment that caused her to take matters into her own hand. And this is what I've discovered. Eve's intention was never to eat the fruit from that tree. Think about it. She wasn't thinking about the tree at all because she had so many other fruits to eat, you know, and enjoy. But what the serpent does, that darn serpent, he is crafty, skillfully underhanded and deceitful. And he stopped at nothing to get her to believe lies. And so how does he trap her? You guys, it's simply by placing doubt in her mind with questions. It seems like a harmless conversation, but it works and it causes her to have some doubt in God and what he told her. And as I've thought about this, you know what, you guys, we should not be talking to the enemy at all. Like she entered in and had a conversation with him. And I think that just a side note, we need to be so careful that we keep our conversations to God and to just tell the enemy to go away. But she did listen to him. And one of the things he said to her is, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? She responds by saying, yeah, we can eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, almost like an afterthought, it's like, oh, yeah, but God did say we must not eat fruit from that one tree over there in the middle of the garden. And then he says this, you're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat it and your eyes will be open and you'll be just like him, knowing good and evil. So with that one conversation, she starts to begin to believe lies about God. Because guess what? Her mind is no longer steadfast. She, because she no longer trusts in him. And so these lies are ro- rolling on in her, in her mind now are these lies that she's never experienced before. So this is what stands out to me. I think the first lie she believes is I'm not like God. 
which is false because God said, um, told Adam and Eve, or actually when he made Adam and Eve, Genesis one twenty six says that they mean, and us too were made in his image. So she was already like God in her true identity, but the enemy gets her to believe that she's not, they're not. And the second lie I think she starts to believe is I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as I thought because God doesn't think I'm good enough. And that's why he's not telling me everything. He's holding back on me. You know, she starts to believe that the enemy knows more. And it's so then therefore she feels less than not valued. And she starts to think I'm not good enough. And then the last lie I believe she um, believes is about God himself and his character and nature. And she says, I think she says, God can't be trusted. He doesn't have my best interest at heart and he's not telling me all the truth. So these lies are her are wrong beliefs about God. Do you see it? She knew God for who he truly was, loving, faithful, good, and trustworthy. But the lies caused her to take on a wrong belief about his nature and character. Her perception of who she was and who he has changed. And for the first time, she notices the fruit and then it becomes desirable to her. And so she eats it. And when I was thinking about all this too, I always believed the wrong action is the problem when really the wrong action is like a symptom, a symptom, yeah. For so long, I thought Eve eating the fruit was really the, the sin when really it started way before that with her, her wrong belief about God. It started with the doubt and then the wrong belief that God couldn't be trusted, which led her to disobey and eat the fruit. And so Eve's wrong actions then caused her to feel negative emotions that we all feel today. But you guys think about it. She never felt any of this before. And all of a sudden she feels shame. There's something wrong with me. So I better cover up and not let anyone know what not let God or Adam know what I'm really like. She becomes fearful, hiding from God, thinking now he's going to be so disappointed in her. He's going to get her. And once he sees, sees what she's done, he's going to think she's a failure and he's just not going to take care of her anymore. So then, you know, and then lastly, she's feeling guilty, self-contemning. It's all my fault. I should have known better. And I think also she feels guilty because, you know, she knew she did wrong. And it just makes me pause to think like she gave the fruit to Adam too. And I, I think sometimes when we feel guilty, we, um, we, want to make not feel so bad on the inside for what we did. So we ask others to join us to try to relieve our guilt a little bit. And that's what I think she did with Adam. She says, here, you take this too. So we have to be careful. Um, So these negative emotions that she's feeling are defense mechanisms. If she truly believed that God is good and he has her best intentions in heart, she would not be afraid of him. Instead, she believed she was not like him. And he was holding out something for her. So she was afraid and felt shame in his presence and felt guilty knowing she did wrong. So these lies were causing these emotions to come up. And once Eve eats the fruit, her identity shifts and she's no longer the mother of life and creation in her true identity, but she becomes the mother of sin and death in her false identity. And just so you guys know, The enemy is always trying to change our identity and twist it into something that it's not. Remember, he's the great deceiver. And we are foolish to think that he isn't trying to get us to. The biggest lie he wants us to believe is that we're nobodies. And that why would the enemy even want to bother with schemes against us? Because we're so unimportant. 
Please, please, please don't believe that for a moment. The enemy knows how powerful, how effective you are because the Holy Spirit resides in you. And so he doesn't want you to be set free. He knows that the moment you are set free, the earth will shake, God's power will be released, and the gates of hell will not be able to stop the revival that will happen in your life, in your home, in your city, and in our world as a result. Doesn't that just make you want to be totally set free? I know it does for me. And so the key to our freedom can be found through our tool, this tool we call restorative prayer. So Erin, why don't you jump in? Because I've been talking for a long time. And just explain what restorative prayer looks like. Yeah. When I first learned about healing or restorative prayer, I was shared this verse, Hebrews 4.12. And I really kind of feel like it sums it up. It says, his words are alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God's words to us in the Bible, the things he gives us are alive and active. And I love where it says, can get to the bone and marrow of why I act the way I do. So in restorative prayer, like we learned about with Eve, kind of what was behind underneath her actions, we can discover that too by asking God a few questions and allowing his spirit to reveal the answers. We can be a, we are able to understand ourselves and him in a deeper way by inviting him into these memories. And I was introduced to this by a woman named Jody, um, and it was one of the first times I actually learned that God could speak to us. And it wasn't just through scripture and the thoughts in my head weren't just my own. They were, they were him. Mm -hmm. And I had wanted so badly from here to hear from God. I honestly love the idea that he would have something to say just for me. It wasn't, I felt like the Bible was just generally for everyone and it left me feeling unimportant or like, a, you know, yeah, there was to attach to your personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for I was so excited to hear what he was going to have to say for just for me. So for a long time, I really observed the process of restorative prayer. I was invited to come and be a per while people were doing restorative prayer in groups of two or three, just be a person that was praying for the spirit to come, asking for lies to leave. I wasn't even talking. I was just sitting in there observing, listening and, and praying that a person would hear and experience the healing of restorative prayer. Mm. And so it was like nothing I had ever seen. And I loved watching the way God worked. I loved how he spoke to all of these people. And for my own personal life, just watching and observing it for me began to dismantle this image of God. I had of someone who would measure as someone who would measure my goodness or my badness and, and uh, I was always found wanting. And instead, I was being like God was revealing to me who he actually was. As I would sit and watch these, listen to these restorative prayers, the things that he would tell people were so gentle and so kind and unlike the God I had pictured in my head. And I saw he wasn't a God to be feared and he wasn't judging me and he wasn't finding me wanting. He was really kind and compassionate. And I was seeing people filled with peace. That's so, so cool because it's like that wrong belief you had about God, right? Oh, yes. You grew up in a Christian home, you knew, mm -hmm. but yet we're still deep down. 
we have those wrong beliefs. Oh, yeah. And after watching it and seeing like, gosh, actually God is good and he has kind things to say and he, I don't have to fear him. I worked up the courage to try it for myself. Mm-hmm. I was nervous, um, but with so much anxiety inside me, I asked, I pushed through and I asked uh, this men, my mentor, Jody to pray with me. Mm-hmm. And in that alone, that first prayer, God showed me patterns of wrong belief and lies that I've been carrying around probably my entire life. There you go. Yeah. I felt peace and I heard things that were just for me. And I honestly felt so known. It, and it was just the beginning. It completely changed my relationship with God and probably my life. And it's now a tool I use regularly with myself. And and two, if you're in a community, I mean, we're happy to talk to you, but I, I can't recommend enough having two or three people around you that are on the same journey that use this tool. Because I have a few close friends here in Atlanta that I, I can say, can I pray with you? Can we do a restorative prayer together? And I feel like every time I do, God shows me something a little deeper, a little bit more. And I always get this beautiful affirmation from a friend as we do it together. Um, So I wanted to share today a restorative prayer that I prayed through last week, I think. And so I'm going to read you guys from my journal so you can kind of get an idea of what a restorative prayer might look like. And my mom and I are going to talk through it a little bit afterwards. but. Um, I'll share with you. Um, Okay, here we go. (laughs) So I was feeling frustrated. I'm I'm working on creating something. It's very new to me. And I had two friends separately helping me. And they had differing opinions on what I should do or how I should go about creating this thing. And I could feel, I'm a two on the Enneagram, and I have this weird canny ability. I'm learning it sometimes how I perceive people are feeling. It's not always truth, but I'm perceiving that they are both disappointed in me and they're wanting me to do it their way. And I had this choice to, you know, I couldn't please both. I had to decide who am I going to please? I could feel their frustration and pressure from both sides. And so I'm feeling with it. I'm wrestling it. And all of a sudden I'm like, gosh, I need to talk to God about this. So I ran to God and tried to be so honest about what I was feeling, which is a hard practice for me, but one God's growing me in. So these are the things I wrote. God, I can feel their annoyance with me. I feel like I'm not being understood. It feels so bad. I really want their support. I hate feeling like they are both disappointed me. What is the lie I'm believing? And this is what I felt God say. Their disappointment equals your value. This is why you are working so hard to please each side. You need to forgive them. And I want to say here, just like a stop from my journal, I often thought like, well, they didn't even do anything wrong. They don't know that I feel this way. Do I really need to forgive them? And even if the other person, like their offense was justified, I feel like forgiveness is more for myself. So they may not have known that this is the way that I was feeling, um, but I need to say out loud what I was feeling and get have forgiveness for me so that I can move forward. I got this picture once of forgiveness. Unforgiveness is like cement. It's from sand. You know, like when you're walking in wet sand and your feet get stuck and then God showed me, then it turns to cement and you're completely stuck and you can't move forward. So forgiveness is so that you can get unstuck and move forward. Hmm. So this is what I said out loud. God said, forgive them. 
And I said, God, I forgive both of my friends for not really seeing me. I forgive them for not understanding how hard this is for me. I forgive myself for spending so much of my limited resources worrying about how others are perceiving me. Honestly, God, I just want to move through life without feeling guilt. And so this, I said, when did I first feel guilt? And so that is where we're going back in the memory. And I'm asking God, I immediately am brought back to this memory of childhood. One of my friend's moms, I could tell she was acting coldly towards me because I had hurt her daughter's feelings. And I I go back to this place. I remember where I was standing and I'm, I feel those feelings again. I am, I feel like a young child and I have guilt and confusion and, I'm there again in that memory. And I remember wanting to have this this sensation of wanting to chase that feeling away. I saw myself in this childlike way working so hard to warm up that cold shoulder I was giving. I was given. And then God said this to me in my mind. He said, you combated guilt with pleasing or manipulating others, anything to ease your discomfort. Instead, I wanted you to build up a tolerance for the uncomfortable. You need to build your tolerance, truth teller. So I said, God, how do I do this? And he said to me, by remaining close to me, I will support you through the painful and the uncomfortable. And I asked, God, how did you build up your tolerance? And all of a sudden, my mind shifted then and in came all these stories of Jesus. And these are the thoughts that came to my mind. He said, I was a public figure and I always had someone mad or upset with me. Hmm. Like, think about it. I intervened as they were about to stone the adulterous woman. I ate with tax collectors. I could forge my own trail because I knew my value. I was connected to God and I could check in regularly with him. I could move in confidence. So in my mind then, as he's shown me the, this way, like it's normal, it's regular. Jesus had people that were upset with him and had to sit in the discomfort of that. And so... In my mind, I said, okay, God, I bring my discomfort, these lies I've been holding on to. And so I'm trying to picture what that would look like. And I'm, I go back to the dentist's office. And I don't know if it's so uncomfortable for me to go to the dentist. And it's especially uncomfortable when you're getting an x-ray and they stick that paper under your tongue to get that specific x-ray. And I hate that. I hate that feeling. It's so painful. I don't know if it's just me. I don't I feel like I'm a- Yeah, it's, it <laughs> also like, makes you want to gag, you know, like you're like, oh, uh, well, I, I throw up. <laughs> I hate it. And it's so painful and it's so uncomfortable. In my prayer, I picture myself coming to Jesus with that uncomfortable thing in my mouth. And he, I come to the cross where he is and I open my mouth and he removes it and he puts his fingers in my mouth and he slowly expands it. And I, it's obviously a weird, I'm like, hmm, so I <laughs> ask, what are you doing? And he says, I'm increasing your capacity. Wow. And it, and he doesn't put that, I expect him to open my mouth to put the dis- uncomfortable thing in it back in it again but he doesn't so I say to him what are you gonna put in my mouth and he says the voice of truth truth teller this will ease the discomfort and I will tell you the truth that you are to speak you are to point people to who they truly are and all of a sudden he puts in my head this idea 
to tell my friends who they are, the ones that I had been trying to please both of them. He said, tell them who they are, truth teller. Tell them the truth about who they are. And so I pray, God, would you give me an opportunity to tell my friends who you made them to be? Who did you make them, God? What truth can I speak over them? And in those moments, my mind was filled with truth about both of these people. And in that moment, I stopped where I was and I text them and said, just praying for you this morning. These are the things that I feel like God is saying about you. These are truths I want to speak over you. And that was cool. (laughs) But then I go back to this childhood memory after he's given me all these beautiful truths. I go back and I said, what did you want me to know about this guilt from my childhood, God? Where were you in this moment where I was feeling so much guilt? And he said to me, I was there. And I was actually putting sunglasses on you to shield you from that immense guilt. I was protecting you from seeing the deeper things at play within this moment. I kept you innocent and I blinded you to to the very difficult. Oftentimes the things we are seeing or feeling are actually just an illusion or a version of the truth. And so that was a beautiful piece about like, I didn't know what was happening all in that situation. And I said, God, would you forgive me for however I treated my childhood friend and her mom? And I, I forgive myself for what I did in adolescence. And I released the guilt that I was feeling in that moment. And as I released the guilt, I said, God, what do you want to replace it with? What is more truth that you want to put on me? And God said, I, God said to me, sensitivity to me and my movement. He said, you have a keen, like I had alluded to earlier, you have a keen sense of awareness for others feeling. And instead of using for saying how others are feeling, I want you to use that awareness to turn into me when you begin to feel that. Wow, that is so cool. And you all, that's an example of restorative prayer and just the beautiful way that God led her to the process um, to get her to the place where she's whole and um, free. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Erin. That was just so terrific. Thank you for letting us enter into your personal time with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you guys see how Erin's mind was renewed? How Jesus gave her a new way to think? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we want you to take away. So what we want to do now, um, Aaron, let's go through each question that you asked Jesus in your restorative prayer and then talk about what happened. Um, these questions, you guys, will allow you to walk through the prayer yourself. And then and even though um, we're going to give you these questions, we just want you to know this is a prayer. It's not really a process. You know, they're just questions that get your get your conversation going with God and it's led by the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit wants to take you a total different direction, man, follow the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. By all means, follow his leading, not Aaron and I. So, yeah. Okay, so the first question that she did in her prayer or in her conversation with God is just identify the negative emotion. So we just asked Jesus What is the feeling you want to talk to us about right now? I think that's so important because like she did it, right? You did that, Erin. You you were feeling frustrated and you just asked Jesus about it. And Mm -hmm. I just want to say that um, sometimes we don't even know that we're feeling anything negative. Like you could come into your quiet time and or your space and just say, okay, God, what do you want me to know? What do you want to talk about? What what is what am I feeling? And sometimes it's a good feeling. And you just rejoice and praise God and be done with it. But a lot of times there's stuff buried down that we don't even know. So, what? okay, so what was your frustration? What was your negative emotion again? 
Yeah, I was feeling guilt and frustration. And I I didn't notice this in a quiet time. I really took note of it in my daily life. Like, as I'm experiencing it, I'm like, oh, gosh, why am I? All of a sudden, I started to take notice. Why am I feeling terrible after these phone calls or conversations? Or during it, I'm feeling anxiety creep in. Okay, so, so as a negative, as a mom, were you able to like deal with it right then or did you have to wait? No, I almost had to set it aside and trust that God would bring it up again during a prayer time or be like, okay, I have to get up in the morning and talk to God about this because that's when I, I typically find I have the most fruitful conversations. So I might have been like in the moment, okay, God. I I recognize something's going on here. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Like, <laughs> it had to be intentional then to find the space and time mm-hmm. to go back and talk to him about it. See, I think that's important for all of us in our busy lives. Like we don't stuff those negative emotions. Mm-hmm. Like make sure you keep it. It's a red alert that something needs to happen. And then right. you have to intentionally make the time to go talk to Jesus about it. And I think it's important. I love that what you talked about with Eve, like that. It was the disobedience, the thing, the eating the apple Mm -hmm. was a symptom of the really painful thing she was experiencing, the sin she was experiencing. And so this guilt and frustration I was experiencing was the symptom of what was really going on. And so I had to sit down and say like, okay, oh man, I'm uncovering that I'm allowing my value to be determined by uh, my perception of what other people are feeling towards me. Right. And I have to work to earn their approval. And I'm and I'm allowing the lie I'm starting to believe is I'm allowing others, not God, to assign my value. And I wouldn't have come up with that in the moment. But when I sat down and dug a little deeper, the lie came right to the surface. And see, and then the thing is, if you don't deal with it, then you keep having that same feeling in the wrong act. You, you can keep having wrong actions over mm-hmm. and over again if you don't. Pay attention and talk to Jesus about it and surrender it. So then that led you to the next question, which is just Jesus, um, when was the first time I felt that way? So it's important, you all, that we go back as early as we can, as far back as we can go to get healing. But then there again, it's not up to us. It's just whatever Jesus brings to our mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had memories when I was in high school and then in a later restorative prayer went back to kindergarten which I was talking to you all about. So we we just work with what, even if it's the most current situation, you're not getting a memory. May Jesus can talk to you even through that most current memory. And so your memory was what again? It was- I was taken back to a friend's parent feeling, I could tell she was upset with me because I had hurt her daughter. And that was the memory. It was as simple as that. It wasn't even, I don't even really remember what I did to her daughter, but I remember that feeling of disappointing her. Right. That's good. So, and it's so good that go there and say, and just the, how he brings it up is remarkable that he'll bring that up. And then it's like, oh, you're right. That is, I did feel that way. Mm -hmm. So it's so good. So then the third question is identify the lie. What is the lie or wrong belief about God or about myself that I began to believe in that exact moment? Because we have all these lies, like I'm not good enough. And so what we want to do here is get to the root lie, like Mm -hmm. dig down in there to see what is the root lie that I believe. And we know we've talked about three that Eve had, um, guilt, fear, and shame. Mm -hmm. But there are like 
more. There's, I think there's like nine more. And Erin, if it's okay, I'd like to have those on our show notes, just the lies and then like the definition of them and even examples of the, what we are feeling if that is our root lie. So what was your root lie, Erin? I did. I felt powerless to this feeling of guilt. Like I'm feeling guilt and shame, but I myself have to claw my way out of it. Like I don't want to feel it. And it has to be a, I believe that I had to do it and I felt powerless to do it using this woo, using my (laughs) trying to like, I think I thought of like trying to warm up this cold shoulder was all on me. Right. And I had to move forward to make the change. And really God had no, I didn't really feel like God had a part of it. I had to work to make them like me because I believe they determine my value. Yeah. And that's so interesting because uh, one of the root lies that I added to the list, like when I was learning all about this, I added one called Mm self-reliance. So true. We think, and the enemy tricks us to believe it's all on our shoulders to make it all happen. And then we can actually get to the point where I don't need anyone. I can Mm -hmm. do all this on my own. And, but, but at the same time, this burden is just weighs us down. So I think it's good what you said, like, Number four, the question that we ask God or or not even so much a confession is or a question is we just tell him the truth. That's what confession is. It's just tell him the truth. Like, you know, I am I feel powerless. I feel guilty. Just getting that all out. You know, like I just love it. We just throw it all up is like yeah. what I like to say. Well, and I think the part that when I first started out for this, I had this belief that we were only supposed to tell God the truth. And we've talked about this in our honesty episode to tell God the truth about how we think about him was wrong and should not be done. And we were only supposed to give him praise and adoration and not really say, God, I don't think it. you've got this. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to do it. And I don't think I think you want me to sit in this discomfort. And it's, you know, I have sinned against my friends. So it is my duty to just sit in this discomfort. That's what you want from me because I did wrong. Or the other thing that we do is just, we just keep apologizing over and over. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I made this mistake. I did this wrong thing. And then we are missing the whole thing because confession is not an apology. It's just talking to him and being honest. Saying what we feel. Right. Yeah. So I feel like I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. But we have to, and then, but, but I think there's a second part to it. Like when we, not only do we tell them, but then we need to repent and repent is such a, like, what in the world does that even mean? And it just means a change of mind to change mm-hmm. your way of thinking. So once you get out your truth and then we repent, which means then we're saying, God, can you give me a new way to think about this? Right. Romans 12, two is a really good verse. I love this verse because it says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world or the pattern of how we are believing the lies and just living that way. Mm-hmm. But it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. Because what we're doing when we're doing going our own way is we're separating ourselves from God, really. And the repentance is going back to God. It's like, I like to say, it's like coming home. It's like you come mm-hmm. home and you ask them, you know, I, I'm, I've been tired. I've been trying to do this my own way, but I want your way now. We right. fill my mind with what you want me to know. Right. So God can and wants to transform us, but we have to confess it first and then the repentance will happen. Right. So the yeah. confessing is like the active repentance. It's a little bit like he's going to show you. 
yeah, he's going to do it because mm-hmm. that's the hardest part. I think people have, or we have is like, okay, I got it out, but do I trust that you're going to actually change? And what does it look like? And mm-hmm. so that is where the belief comes in a little bit. We have to right. believe. believe that he will transform us. Right. So what you, so you went through the confession, you told mm-hmm. him the truth. Um, and then, uh, we asked Jesus what the lies look like. Okay. Right. So we get to practice the holy imagination that we talked yeah. about in previous episodes. Right. And so we asked God what the lies look like. Yeah. Um, what were, what were your, what did your lies look like? They were that terrible mouthpiece from the oh, dentist. Yeah. I could <laughs> yeah. feel it in my mouth and it's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as I felt uncomfortable in this moment. Yeah. And, and as I looked deeper, I thought I just had to muscle through the uncomfortable all on my own. Mm-hmm. When the discomfort became unbearable, I just, I think when this discomfort become, I felt like God was just going to leave it in there. And, uh-huh. and when the discomfort became unbearable, I was trying to pull it out myself. And in this memory, even the discomfort of having someone upset with me, I felt like I had to, it was becoming unbearable. So I was trying to take it out. So wow. this this was such a beautiful, it it felt so right to me. And I know when God speaks to you, it'll be something just so perfect for you, a memory or a picture or a word that is so just for you, because this for me hit it right on the head. I yeah, couldn't have described it better myself. <laughs> right. And so that's so important, you all, because Erin is able to tap into her imagination beautifully. Like it's the way God wired her. Um, she gets it. She gets one so beautiful, but I just want you to know if this is hard for you to go into the holy imagination, don't be discouraged. Just keep pressing mm-hmm. and asking Jesus about it. Just pay attention to those thirds, first thoughts you have. Just be curious and go there because really this visual image that um, Aaron was able to get and what we're asking you to ask Jesus to give you is just like seals the deal. It like says you like you believe these lies, but then when you get the picture of well, she gets that picture of that thing being pulled out of her mouth, you know, to her, it brings such peace mm-hmm. and it's, and shows her that Jesus is the one who has to do it. She doesn't have to muster up the strength anymore. Even when she tried, you tried to pull it out yourself, you know, you mm-hmm. need Jesus to yank the thing out. So those pictures are just for us. It's just reassurance for us. Right. Okay. So once we release the lies to Jesus, um, we enter into a time to just asking if there's any forgiveness that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think there's three, we're going to talk about this more when we do our, our in our previous episodes, we're going to talk about strongholds, but uh, unforgiveness is one where we just need to pause and ask God if there's any unforgiveness in our heart, whether it's against someone else, whether it's ourselves that we need to forgive, or whether we're just struggling with like God and his forgiveness and believing that he will forgive us for those wrong actions that we did because because of our wrong belief. Mm-hmm. So unforgiveness, just so you all know, my mentor Donna taught me this, that unforgiveness is, is not the same as reconciliation. She always says, and I just, it always makes me pause to think about forgiveness is the air we breathe in the kingdom of God. I mean, as, as easy as we breathe in and out, that's how easily we should be able to offer forgiveness. Um, and then she says this, if you are in the kingdom, you forfeit the right to bitterness and resentment. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. So Aaron, what was your forgiveness piece like for you? Remind us. Yeah. No, I prayed forgiveness for myself for allowing, for hurting my childhood friend in the memory, 
that like for letting myself be ruled by guilt. Mm -hmm. I prayed forgiveness currently in the current situation for the friends that were helping me. Like I forgave them for how I felt towards them. I prayed forgiveness uh, for the experience of the hurt that I felt with the parent's friend. And I even had to say, God, I forgive you for how I perceived you were in that moment that I had to do it and that you weren't going to get involved. So I think I had a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> I had all of them. Yeah, we usually do, <laughs> but that's so good. So, so when we forgive, it just sets us free too. Yeah. It was immediately just saying, I forgive myself for being ruled by guilt. God, I forgive and release. I always put release because that mm-hmm. feels like I forgive and release these friends for pressuring me to do something. So that is, it's as simple as that. It's not complex. That's so good. And so then we're able to receive the truth after that. That's number eight. Um, he gave Aaron um, your truth. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when we give him our truth, he doesn't leave us empty handed. He's going to give us his truth in return. Yeah. Right. Well, and he gave me, he put in my mouth, the voice of truth, which Mm -hmm. is so beautiful because he, in last episode, we talked about our true identities and the identity he gave me was truth teller. So taking out the uncomfortable, he put in the voice of truth and it wasn't comfortable. I mean, it wasn't uncomfortable. And in those moments, he's telling me to act in my, how to act in my true identity. He says, be the voice of truth. Reach out to these friends and tell them what is true about them. Yes, so I get you to practice right away, mm-hmm, right? Right. So the truth was beautiful and and honestly not what I expected. Yeah, that's so good. And then the last is healing our memory. Mm-hmm. And you know, Matthew twenty eight eighteen said reminds us Jesus says to his disciples and to us today that I'm with you always until mm-hmm. the end of the age. And so we are inside time. And so our timeline looks different than God's view of our timeline. God is present in each moment of our lives all the time because of this being outside of time. Mm-hmm. So his presence is in our memory also. And maybe you weren't aware of it, but he was there. So it's important to go back to that memory. And what we do is we ask Jesus to show us how he saw it, what he wants us to know about it, to get his perspective on it. Mm-hmm. So we receive healing in the memory and we receive some truth for it from it. Right. Um, and so why don't you end with that? Yeah, no, I just love that even in the, uh, back in this childhood memory, he interacted me, interacted with me like a parent or a would with a child. And he mm-hmm. put silly sunglasses on me and just said, I was there. I, I was shielding you from, from what was at play, the deeper mm-hmm. things that were going on. You didn't see. And, and sometimes just kind of giving me this reassurance that oftentimes things we're seeing or we felt from childhood are an illusion or a version of the truth. And I'm not seeing the whole truth that perceive is a word he's showing to me. How I'm perceiving things isn't all is an illusion. Sometimes it's not the real truth. So that Mm -hmm. was comforting to see, like there was a lot at hand. I didn't have to shoulder all that, what I was feeling. Right. That's so good. See? And so now then the number 10 is just walking that truth. So mm-hmm. understand that you um, that there's always a different side. There's always another side. There's always his side of the story. And so, again, my mentor, Donna, says you have to become what you believe. You have to take that step of faith to believe, to trust. Believing lies takes no faith at all. That's way easier. Mm-hmm. But we can walk in truth in our true identity. And the Holy Spirit, not us, he empowers us to do so when we take that first step and believe. Yeah. 
And I felt like in my prayer, he was affirming that sensitivity I had towards others' feelings. That's Mm -hmm. not wrong. That was a gift from him. But instead, use it to be keenly and aware of him as sensitive to him and what's happening in the room and not always to like what's happening in other people's feelings because it's a version of the truth. It's not the truth. So uh, it was a beautiful. Yes. Again, thank you. So good. And so how, what we want to do now, right. Is just let you, the listener lead you through a a restorative prayer yourself. Right. And this is going to go on our show notes on our website, So if you don't have time to do it right now or don't feel in the headspace to do it because you're driving or something, please pause it and head to the website and you can find these and use it later. But if you can now, grab your journal, open up your voice memo, and let's write down what you hear God saying. Remember, God is going to be that first voice that comes to your mind. It's going to be edifying, glorifying, gentle of his character, not something condemning. So let's just go ahead and start. And I'm going to lead you through these steps uh, for this restorative prayer. So God, we ask you, really come fill every space. You transcend over time and space. And we ask that you would be here and in the listeners' cars and in their kitchens and in their homes, in their headphones. We ask that you would be here and they would feel your presence. And God, right now, would you please bring the negative emotion to our ears? What is the feeling you want to speak to us about? Are we feeling powerless, guilty, abandoned, lost, or confused? If nothing's coming to you, just write. Then take a step back and reread what God wrote and ask, is there anything else you want me to know? If you've discovered this negative emotion, ask God, what is the lie I'm believing about myself or you? And remember, lies are exactly that, something that is untrue. And in this moment, as those lies are popping into your head, let's give the lies a name. Let's picture them as something. God can use anything. Don't be ashamed of what you see. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just freely write. And as you have those lies pictured of something, let's now go back to our memory. When did you first believe that lie? Ask God to show you when that lie first took root in your life and write down that memory. Write down how it felt. Write down what you sense. Write down what you feel now. Continue to be curious. Are there details that he wants you to know about? Now we're going to release these lies. While in this same picture, picture Jesus. Remember, he wants to take these painful things from you, but you have to give them to him. Let's say out loud, God, I give you this lie. And in your head, picture yourself giving whatever you, you pictured these lies to look like. Give them to him. What do they look like when you hand them over? Are you having trouble giving them to him? Ask God, why am I having trouble? Continue to be curious. Once you've been able to give them to him, what does it look like? What does he do with them? I always 
try to picture the cross here in these moments. This is how we will know his love for us, that Jesus is here and what he does with them on the cross. So I want to stop and release in forgiveness. When you picture that memory, or if there's a lie you're believing about God, let's confess it. Did you believe God wasn't going to come through for you? Was there someone in your memory you need to release? Do you need to release yourself? Remember, unforgiveness keeps us from moving forward. I want you to picture yourself, say it out loud, write it down. What does it look like? What do you feel? Now, let's receive the truth. What is the truth that God wants to give us to replace this lie? We ask you for truth. What does Jesus want to tell you? What does he do? Where is he? Do you feel his presence? Is there anything you can taste, smell, or see? Write down everything. The truth restores. The truth brings hope. These are the things that are from God. Remember, the enemy has no place here when we are receiving truth. So if you feel condemning, if you feel something that is not of God, you can reject it in Jesus' name and go on asking him for truth. So now let's go back to the memory you pictured. And we're going to reframe it from the lens of Jesus. So ask Jesus, as you're back to this memory, where was he? What does he want to say to you in this memory? What does he want to speak over you or remind you? Does it connect to the identity that you have, that he's given you? Now that we have this beautiful truth, let's ask God to heal the old memory. God, will you help us to remember this from your perspective? Would you give us fresh sight on this old memory? So God, we ask that healing and restoration would happen here in these moments. We ask that this would not be a one-time thing, but God, that you would continue to heal and that we would feel the ripple of this moment in this prayer um, scattered throughout our story. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Erin, for leading us through. And so, hey, you all, if you've stuck with us to the very end, of this uh, episode, we do want to share we have some exciting things coming up. Um, First, we're going to attempt to come to you live on Facebook. And Erin, we didn't, I don't know if we ever got confirmation on the date, but I'm thinking it's Sunday, March 7 at 8 a.m. Was it Mm -hmm. the 7th? Okay, so come, we'll be the look for us. We're going to be the ones that like really aren't quite sure what we're doing, but we're going to give you the best that we can. You know, we're excited about it and and scared too, but look forward to, um, look forward to, we look forward to it and hope you'll tune in March 7th at 8 a.m. And then looking ahead to our next episode, which will be available episode nine on April 5th, we're going to start talking like we previously, like we said a little bit in this episode, we're going to be talking about strongholds, negative strongholds, the one that have a stronghold in our lives, keeping us from being able to live the abundant life Jesus tells us we can have. So these negative strongholds, they take us captive and they distort how we see ourselves in God. 
so much to unpackage here. We hope that you'll stay with us and um, we, we look forward to it. You know, Aaron and I, we love our time with you so much. And just if you have any questions, especially about restorative prayer, um, about what we shared, we're here to help answer those questions friend to friend. All you have to do is reach out to us, direct message, message us. We'd love to hear from you. And I want to tell you, if you are trying to go through restorative prayer and you're stuck, if you direct message me, I promise I will help you. And I, I know Aaron would too, but Aaron's got yeah. a house full of kids. There's three kids there. <laughs> Her life is busy, but I will help you. Just direct message me and we'll work through it together. Okay. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Agreed. So until next time, you guys, we just want to say goodbye. Bye, everyone.